0: Mitch McConnell has a silent spell. A 12-year-old boy was violently beaten on a bus in Clark County, Kentucky. And after a rise in crime and overnight shootings, Louisville is attempting to make business owners suffer more due to the city's leadership's failure. We'll have all that and more today on the Andrew Kupretter Show. And of course, I'm your host, Andrew Kupretter. And before we dig into it, As always, please, I ask that you like, comment, share, subscribe, uh, uh, do, you know, follow, um, tell people about it, you know, all those things that helps grow the show. Please do that. And as well, if you're listening to this in the uh, uh, Facebook or YouTube or Twitter and you want to listen to it more so on the go or Rumble, it's on Rumble too, you can always check out the podcast version of this on Places like iHeart, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Pandora, uh, Amazon Podcast. All those great, great places will be carrying the Andrew cooperwriter Show. Simply search the Andrew Cooper Writers show. And I appreciate the growth, uh, that we've seen. And I also appreciate you podcast only listeners for leaving a five-star review. I've seen a lot of you have please continue to do so. Please everybody join in, leave a five-star review, no matter where you're listening at. And then obviously if you want to leave a one-star review, um, well, you leave that review by you write it down on like a piece of paper somewhere, and you just pin that paper up on the fridge, and then everybody will know how you feel about the Andrew Cooper Show. That is the way to do it. But without further ado, let's dig down into it. So, uh, obviously, the big story is that Mitch McConnell has had. A silent spell. That's a, a big story of the day, I guess you could say. Um, a lot of people are talking about that. And, um, you know, it, it's quite horrific. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the clip for you. Uh, it's from WLWT5. Um, we'll go ahead and play that clip for you. This happened during a Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce meeting. I talked about what? Running for re election in 2026. Oh. So. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in twenty twenty-six. All right. I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute, Senator. Any. Have a question, please speak up. That uh, is awful seeing. Um, That doesn't look good, certainly not at all. And I mean, it's truly horrible stuff. It's truly awful that Mitch McConnell, who is clearly in ailing health, is not all mentally there. He's got three more years left in his term. Now, any rational Person would immediately look at this and say, Look, he needs to step down. Um, same with Feinstein, Biden, uh, uh, Fetterman, you know, any of these so called elected officials that are just not with it. They need to step down. Um, we simply can't have people clearly in awful health and cognitive decline running our country first and, and once again at the risk of sounding brash or crass, it's like having a bunch of people order food for us and then not be there when the check comes due. We're borrowing like never before, we're racking up massive crippling debt as a nation and the people at the steering wheel are worried about what? I mean, if they were not more selfishly worried about how they will be thought of in five or 10 years after they pass, that might actually make some good out of what's going on. They might be willing to make the kind of hard decisions we need to make right now. Things like not promising the moon to people when you know you can't deliver, but when you fall short, buying the rocket anyways. But no, instead of making those kinds of hard and difficult decisions uh, that would make you not just remembered For a few years, but for decades upon decades for what you've done to set the country on a greater path. Instead, all these people are making decisions based upon in the moment. And why is that? Why is it that we don't get what could be a positive of people working for altruistic reasons in government? We get this. This type of behavior. Well, frankly, it's because Mitch McConnell and people like him have some massively long coattails. Look at the Biden. Look at his family riding those coattails, pulling in money off the fact he's in office. And if he goes and stops being in office, well, then he's messed it up for everybody. Just take a look at how massively long Mitch McConnell's quote-unquote coattails are. Look at his influence here in Kentucky. In fact, if we look at every single Republican running for statewide office right now, the only one that doesn't have an immediately clearly obvious connection, though he still does is actually the person running for treasure uh, is Mark Metcalf and Mark Metcalf is outside of him. If we look, I mean, what do we see? We see Michael Adams, McConnell attorney, Cameron used to be an attorney for McConnell worked in his office. Um, Jonathan shell in 2020 was Mitch McConnell's campaign chair. Uh, Allison Ball signed Mitch McConnell's uh, paperwork when he filed to run for office. Um, Russell Coleman obviously worked in Mitch McConnell's office before uh, he got some cushy, not cushy, but he worked in Mitch McConnell's office before he got some appointments for the Western District of Kentucky for the federal government prosecuting. And it's not just, obviously, in our state legislators, you can uh, or in our Constitutional officers, you can look at our state legislators and see some similar things, some similar coattails going on. And so these people rely on Mitch being, well, maybe not the ones currently running for office because they're forging their own paths now. But there are people around Mitch who rely on Mitch McConnell to stay in office because they're peddling his influence. See, that's a dirty secret people don't want to talk about. When politicians are in office, they end up surrounded by people who are only as well-liked and relevant as their bosses are. So they push them to make decisions and uh, they control the flow of information to their bosses. And then they peddle their influence behind their backs, all of this because they want to be well-liked and well-respected in the circles they run in. They have a vested interest in keeping people like McConnell in office, no matter how much It may cost us. Moving on, though, now a few Republicans may be upset at me for saying that McConnell needs to retire or at least just step down as minority leader uh, from the Senate. They'd say even though we did pass a new law uh, a few years ago in 2021 that is supposed to limit who Bashir can appoint to just Republicans. But we're sure Bashir will challenge that. And could we end up with a Democrat senator? What's funny is, going back to this law in 2021, people would be mad at me for suggesting McConnell stepping down because they're like, we could end up with a Democrat. But I think your anger is misplaced. One, that's not for sure, obviously. And that's only as long as Bashir is in office. So you better get to work making sure Cameron gets elected, something that I don't know how good of a job you're doing on right now. But hopefully we see some positive movement, that being stated. um, But it's not me who put us in this position. It's McConnell. Remember, McConnell ran for re-election in 2020. Come 2021 is when they changed the law for the governor and how he would appoint a successor should McConnell unexpectedly leave office. Something that tells me that, well, McConnell maybe knew something that he wasn't willing to share. Um, something maybe about his health. And so really, if you think about who put us in this position, well, it was McConnell for running for re-election in 2020, knowing he was risking putting us in the position, so much so that he pushed for a law to be passed in 2021 to try to make sure that his seat would not be handed off to a Democrat should he pass, which is just sheerly selfish and power-seeking. That's all it is. 2020, when he ran for re-election, would have been a fine year for a Republican to run for office, a fresh Republican to run for office in the Senate. It was a presidential election year. Trump was on the ballot demanding high turnout. Trump has had good effect on down-ballot races when he's been involved throughout the state, generally speaking, for Republicans while he's running. And it would have been a fine time for somebody to take over the mantle, to... Take over that seat. But the selfishness of McConnell to hold on for the power, or at least the people surrounding him telling him to hold on to it, prevented him from not running at that time. And now we are faced with a difficult decision. We either have to keep a mentally unwell older man in office as a figurehead, while others that are unaccountable to the voters pull the strings in the background, or... We risk a Senate Republican majority not coming to fruition in 2024 because if McConnell passes before Bashir is out of office or he steps down before he is out of before Bashir is out of office, uh, we could face a legal challenge that may result in a Democrat sender. It's truly a difficult decision. One would say, hey, we should worry a little bit more about competence, but that's just me. I am concerned about competence. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend all Democrats are competent either. They're not. Anyway, so um, this difficult decision, though, was not put before us by me. It was not put before us by the Republican voter. It was put before us because McConnell and his company and his cronies put us here because they just couldn't let go of it in 2020. Oh, coming up after this, a Clark County boy was violently beaten on the bus recently. We'll have more after this short break. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In Clark County, a 12-year-old boy was beaten over a bus seat by a much older girl. Apparently, the girl wanted the seat the boy was sitting in, and when he refused to get up, she viciously attacked. Here's some... Video from the incident. Oh, you're making him bleed! Oh, he's bleeding! Oh, he's hey. oh. Out. He's out. So, for those of you listening to the audio-only version. Let me tell you, this uh, this is pretty horrific. So you got a, a young boy sitting in his seat and a obviously older girl uh, starts uh, wailing on his head, coming down hard with um, hammer fists on him. Um, it's happening. She's in the aisle way. He's sitting in the seat. Uh, obviously, they're going at each other. You hear kind of some yelling in the background. And then towards the end, a student, uh, intervenes and, and tries to back her off. Of course, these types of violent attacks are becoming more and more common, and we have to address this, we gotta see why. I mean, this is these types of behaviors are resulting in why we see bus drivers quitting a lot. To address what's happening, I think we simply need to look in the mirror. Really, I see two different failures from parents in the video, and I actually see one success. Now, it can make people squeamish to blame parents. We want to blame a greater culture. We want to blame socioeconomical factors. We want to blame this and that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how well are the parents going to enforce a sense of morality, a value of life, because it's still the parent's job to create a better culture within their home. Understanding understand you have a culture out here, but the parents can easily control the culture going on. At home, And the first and most obvious failure is the parents of the girl that's hitting the child. A lack of caring about life. While at the same time, the parents have probably often shielded this child from consequences. I don't know this child's parents personally. I'm not going to try to proclaim a whole lot of crazy, far outlandish things. But you can imagine that this is probably not the first time this girl has attacked somebody. Um, Generally speaking, you don't just start attacking somebody over a bus seat and it's your first time to violence. So chances are she's been shielded from her consequences while at the same time uh, not being held to a higher standard by her family. And when you buy into liberal culture, it really makes a lot of sense of why these kids are falling apart. Because if you don't have a culture at home, you have the culture outside, which says to focus on you. It's about being your true self. I mean, we have a culture outside that says when you're you're using the wrong person's pronouns, it's like a violent act. And when you call that a violent act, when you call simply somebody refusing to call you what you have proclaimed that day for yourself to be called, and you say that is violence, that will beget violence. Because how do you respond when somebody's violently attacking you? Well, with a violent defense. That's the natural response. When your worldview is that everyone must go along with your worldview or it's violence, that is obviously a world where you're not going to be able to get along with people, even people who won't give up their bus seat because you demand it. And we will continue to see this as long as we have parents unwilling to build a culture of accountability in their home. But there's a second failure here. And that is the failure of most of the kids watching, especially the one who actually recorded this incident, because these people didn't bother to intercede and stop what's going on. No, in fact, one of the girls, uh, went on to film it and i just showed you that you know last week i talked about how legislators are are watching obvious corruption go by with their colleagues and they say absolutely nothing about it or worse yet they continue to vote for those that are executing that corruption without a second thought things like allowing one industry to have a monopoly or voting for senators to be in power while they are receiving legal payoffs from the industry that they're being tasked with overseeing sitting and watching it happen makes you weak and a coward and deciding to film the interaction well that's a whole new level i mean who thinks to grab their phone to record an argument over a bus seat that then turns into violent hitting unless everyone knew what was coming due to the girls history and still did nothing but try to get that good old video for the clicks. Now, I guess that goes back to my original point. I do not think this was this girl's first time being violent because why would you have your phone out to record if you didn't expect her to go violent? But there is one bright, shining hope throughout the video, and that is the one child that does intercede, the child who does step up and defends a smaller boy, even with her own body, doing what she can to, dis- to subdue the girl I noticed that nobody is helping her as she struggled to keep the violent attacker boxed into a seat. Nobody jumped in to help. We need to be raising a generation of children that are willing to step in when they see something like this happening. People willing to stand up for what is objectionably true. These types of beatings are symptoms of a whole lot of useless parents turning their children over to be raised by a system and a culture that is teaching them that Others don't matter. Your whims and your desires are the most important thing in the world. And if they're not willing to give it to you, well, then they must be stopped at all costs. Well, Louisville is looking at requiring businesses to close earlier due to crime. We'll have more right after this short break. All right, so Louisville is looking at requiring businesses to close earlier due to crime. So in Louisville, you can get in an extended uh, business license, liquor license that allows you to operate till 4 a.m. And they are looking at changing that and reeling that back, cutting off two hours of it and saying that everybody's got to be out and on their way at 2 a.m. Why? Well, because there was an altercation um, here recently that occurred at 3 a.m., uh, outside of a restaurant. It was between restaurant goers and people on the street. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that people should be out drinking till 4 a.m. as if that's a good choice to do every night, but that isn't my choice to make. I think ridiculous restrictions on businesses, uh, like saying you can't serve past this time because it was an arbitrary, arbitrarily chosen time. Uh, Picked out of a hat by those, the power doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I know a lot of you may disagree. Um, You know, I don't go out drinking till 4 a.m. anymore. Um, I don't know if I ever did, but um, I I certainly don't think that it's a giant deal if people on the weekends want to go out or even weekdays want to go out if they can pay for it themselves and aren't causing a problem. But I do want to discuss something specific here. So a shooting happens at 3 a.m. So they say, well, let's go ahead and let's roll back to 2 a.m. So let's accept the entire premise that businesses shouldn't be open till 4 a.m. Let's say you believe that. Let's accept all this premise. And they say, we're going to roll back to 2 a.m. because a shooting happened at 3 a.m. Well, what happens when a shooting happens at 1 a.m.? At 11 p.m.? Do you just keep rolling it back? I mean, where do you draw... The line? When does it become unreasonably early in order for them to close? And more importantly, can you specifically tell us why, uh, outside of, of course, happen chance, that being closed at 3 a.m. would prevent these kinds of things from happening? Are you saying restaurant goers and people on the street won't run into each other at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. now when it closes? Are we not, if we're not dealing with the root cause of violence here? well then, yeah, it's just as likely that they run into each other at that time and then get into an altercation. So as they're talking about shutting down businesses earlier, just making those people who are actually contributing to the bottom line in Louisville suffer for those who are destroying the place, in response to the shooting, they're looking at shutting down businesses earlier, but as they're talking about that, there has yet to be Any arrests made in the shooting. I'm sure when they find a suspect, they'll end up having a rap sheet probably a mile long. You know, earlier this year, Chanel Helm, leader of the Louisville Community Bail Fund, a BLM-tied organization that pays people's bails when, you know, they get arrested, they're in jail, and then they come in and pay their bails for them. You know, when asked about the potential of the need to increase the amount of people that's bailing out due to another bail fund uh, deciding that it would no longer bail people out, but instead would spend all their money on um, activism, Chanel lamented, "Well, I don't, I do not want us to have to have a conversation where we're needing to pay bail. Just stop arresting people. That's what she said. She doesn't want to keep paying bail. They want." the government to just stop arresting people. And ah yes, the age old solution of just stop arresting people. In the same story Chanel says that people in the area, what they need to stop being violent criminals is a grocery store and a source of income. I noticed in the article, she didn't say job though. She never said job. She said a source of income, which could imply that she's asking for direct cash money from the government, perhaps. But putting that to the side, she says no No grocery store means that they're upset and that leads to violence. I know I do get hangry as well, and so certainly that would cause some issues, um, being hungry. I don't think it's ever led me to violently gun people down in the street, but, you know, I understand everybody reacts differently to hungriness. Um, and I'm not trying to make a trivial light over whether or not the town has a grocery it's a Louisville. Of course, there's a grocery store somewhere, and I know people have to commute or get on the bus to go and so on and so forth. but what I'm saying is is maybe you're right. maybe it does need a grocery store. maybe it does need places for people to work. I mean, that second one's probably an obvious if that's what you're talking about as an income, a place for people to work. Maybe it does. But how are you going to attract those people in? If you're a retail business owner, do you want to open up in downtown Louisville? Do you want to face the possibility of your hours being restricted because two people got into an altercation out front that resulted in a shooting? Because, well, we keep allowing violent people back onto the street. Would you want to open up a business where you're worried about shoplifting and theft? Major retailers all around this country are having to have layoffs and closing locations due to retail theft. Do you think Louisville, especially downtown Louisville, is a great place to be opening those stores right now? No. The lawlessness drives what the very thing Chanel says they need away. But yet, the same person who says we need these businesses says, hey look, we just need to stop arresting people. Closing businesses earlier and earlier in the day just to, and to stop arresting people, it's not going to solve a long-term solution here. We need law and order on the streets. We need basic rights to be enforced, and that's the right of property ownership, the right to obviously to have a life and, and not be gunned down ridiculously. The, the rights that are involved with being able to just live your everyday life without in fear of another violent crime happening to you in louisville well y'all that's what we have time for today on the andrew cooper show i thank y'all so so much for joining us y'all have a great rest of your day we'll see you back here tomorrow at one o'clock